people have died in prison and the prison done contact the people, they find out through cellmates first before the prison even reaches out. And I don't mean just, oh, in a certain, you know, small time frame, they're not reaching out for days to let people know what has happened with their loved one. What's going on, everybody? My name is Mel, and welcome to Life Culture by Mel. Here at Life Culture by Mel, we speak truth. I'm not referring to my truth, your truth. I'm referring to the Lord's truth. And one thing I love to do on this platform here is bring interesting people on and people that have interest in their story or interest in what they do and have them come speak to you guys, my audience, and see what we can learn from them. And that's exactly what I have today, guys. A young lady by the name of well, it's actually, she's prison marriage coach, Danielle Steele-Williams. How are you doing today, Danielle? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my honor and pleasure. Now, guys, she's the founder of For the Lives of Prison Wives. Uh, she says her mission is to build and maintain marriages, relationships through the bars to reduce recidivism. That's, that's always a hard word for me to say. Right, me Danielle. too. <laughs> <laughs> Taking your time saying it every right. time. <laughs> Absolutely. And she's also the author of Prayers of a Prison Wife, 30 Prayers for a pray, uh, to Pray for Your Incarcerated Husband, uh, Prison Marriage Boot Camp Workbook for Him, and Prison Marriage Boot, uh, boot Camp Workbook for Her. Nothing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's awesome. We'll get into that a little bit later. I'll let you plug those mm -hmm. here in just a moment. Okay. I did want to start by asking... What exactly is a prison marriage coach and what inspired you to get into that career? Okay, well, I kind of do it backwards. What inspired me um, to get into that is my husband was sentenced to two, 22 and a half years in prison. And I had to make the decision at the time, he was my fiance, was I going to stay and wait on him, wait on him or, um, you know, go? So I prayed and I got my answer to stick by his side. And that's what I did. Um, it was definitely challenging. I did have my family support, but my family was not in the situation. So, you know, they weren't in my shoes and didn't know exactly how I felt. I also had two children. I was pregnant when he went in prison. And um, I needed support, you know. So one day I go and I look online for support and I didn't see the support that I needed. And um, I did run across a website and that website eventually was not there, but that website was helpful to me. I felt like that was God placing, I don't believe in coincidences, placing that right in front of me. Yeah. Because the young lady's name was Danielle. She, like me, she was a teacher like me. We taught the same grades. You know, her fiance was in prison. We were struggling with our middle school students. So I did reach out to her um, and emailed her. And this was, you know, years ago. So TikTok and all that wasn't around yet. But, um, <laughs> you know, I did. E I emailed her and one day I came home from work because that was like my therapy, my relief when I got home from work and the website was gone. And at that point, I decided, well, let me I, I'm strong. I'm about 11 years, 10 or 11 years in. I probably can do this, you know, and I started um, supporting prison wives on Facebook. Yeah. So that's how it started. And nice. um, Prison Marriage Coach came about after my husband was released. I wanted to make sure that I got through, not just leading people, <laughs> but yeah. I got finished with the process of waiting and that he was at home um, and re-entered. 
And I decided to call myself prison marriage coach at that point. That's incredible. That's fascinating. You say that because I, I say that a lot. You know, I, I get reached out a lot by men and other people that my story resonates with. And they say, man, I want to come on and tell my story. And they, they're saying that in the midst of them still struggling with some of the things. I'm like, I don't want to set you up to fail. Maybe you want to right, wait, right. you know, because everyone, you know, once you're going through things, it's in your heart to want to help mm -hmm. someone else. But right. you want to be healed. You want to at least be in a place where you can tell, you know, help show people steps that you are. Uh, maybe processed and that you are on right. the other side of. Uh, mm -hmm. So I love that you said that there. Now, I read in your bio and a lot of material you have there that, you know, when your husband was locked up for a total of 14 and a half years, am I correct? Mm -hmm. And he was transferred to seven different facilities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what are some of those barriers you talked about in that bio? Can you help the audience hear some of those barriers that the criminal, criminal justice oh, system takes and, and what they, how they keep families separated in those moments well that one you just said right there distance um my husband was in the federal system so he was moved around and it's so easy to say shit but i had to say that he was moved around <laughs> yeah. to seven um different facilities um i'm in alabama the furthest he was i want to say is jersey he's been to kentucky he's been to arkansas you know, um, so the distance itself, the expense to get there, yeah. the barrier, um, you had the money on the books, you know, you have um, communication, you have to have money for phone calls, um, then it's limited time on the phone. So healthcare, when they get sick, that that's the worst feeling because you can't be there to help them. Uh, sometimes you don't even know that they've been taken to the hospital. You also have people that literally I've been connected to and seen just being in the community. You know, people have died in prison and the prison done contact the people. They find out through cellmates first before the prison even reaches out. And I don't mean just, oh, in a certain, you know, small time frame, they're not reaching out four days to let people know what has happened with their loved one. Wow. So how, as a prison wife, how does something like that, how are you processing that? How does that make you feel? But that was my first time actually dealing with prison when um, my husband went to prison. I had family members that have been to prison. We both have. But when my family was in there, I was young, so I didn't know anything about it. And I honestly, I just didn't think about the system because I wasn't dealing with it. You know how we are. You yep. live your life and, you know, if it's not in front of you, keep going. But, you know, once I was hit with it, um, I, I, I learned so much. And one, one barrier I did not mention that I have to mention is <laughs> the... COs, the correctional officers, they make it so difficult for families. Mm. You know, it's like they treat us as if we committed a crime. Um, mm. And I understand you have to have certain things in place, you know, but I have literally seen people fly from other countries, far place within the country to get to visitation. They spent money, took days off and it's shut down and they have to go back home without seeing their loved one. I was frustrated. I got upset. They're not doing enough for criminal justice reform. It's, it's no rehabilitation, no true rehabilitation. 
taking place. Um, yes, they do have programs, but I feel like some of the programs I'm just are, are kind of fluff programs. It's not getting to the core. We're not looking at the root. What's really causing the issues here? Why are people in here? You know, but they don't want to know the root because they want to keep people in and out. You know, so um, it's just things that I faced that I had I didn't know about, and it just opened my eyes to. Yeah. So you talked about the frustration that you had during those moments, and you said you know you had your family to support you, but you realize there's a need for that support. Um, you know, for now that you're on the other side of that. So what does that support look like coming from you uh, to some of your clients? I go back to what you said in the beginning. As I went through, as we went through the the weights, of course, it wasn't com compartmentalized at the time. We are just doing what we knew to do. Hmm. So we had to learn how to communicate. We, we we didn't know how to communicate before we got up in there. So we really learned while we were in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, okay, we got to make the best of this time that we get. And um, that's what we started to do. Um, and, and we learned along the way how to communicate. So part, and the biggest thing within uh, prison relationships is communication. So that's where the premise of Prison Marriage Bootcamp uh, surrounds communication. However, I have to say, most importantly, God. Hmm. So prison marriage boot camp is biblically based. Um, it also talks about self-care because this type of journey, we call it the prison wife journey, it can consume you if you allow it to, you know. Um, yeah. So we talk about self-care, we talk about communication, we talk about the role of a husband, the role of a wife, um, you know, parenting, because I had, like I said, I had two kids. So my kids have grown up with their dad in prison from two and a half to when he was released in 2019. So they're now in college. Yeah. Um, so how do we keep that bond through the prison? So all of that is part of um, prison marriage boot camp. Yeah. And if this is too personal, just let me know. But I, I'm, I'm curious now because I mean, that's it had to be difficult for you raising two kids alone. And we talk about single parenting and, and things of that nature and co-parenting, you know, especially in our community. Take us a little bit through that journey. Like, how was that process for you just raising those two kids, you know, while your husband's in prison? It was almost an, a given for me that when we went to visit that I was going to take them because I wanted them to know him. Um, you know, some people don't feel like their child should be exposed to prison. I didn't have that thought process. I felt like they should be exposed. Uh, I talked to them at different times of their life, you know. Um, so while they were in their toddler stage, I'm talking to them as if they're a toddler. Your dad is in, got in trouble, you know. He, he broke the rules. Like, y'all have rules at school. We adult have laws. He broke the law. Mm -hmm. So he has consequences. Just like y'all can get on punishment, He's on punishment. So we're going to see him. Right. So I made a life, you know, lesson. As they got older, then of course that conversation transitions. And, you know, they're able to understand a little more. And then they really want to know, well, what do you do? What do you do? 
Well, that's for him. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, let, let y'all holler at him. And, you know, when we go to visit, hey, he'll tell you what he wants you to know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love it. And uh, so we talk about just this whole uh, niche that you have. You know, this is it's a lot of concept. I mean, misconceptions out there. You know, there's a lot of thoughts yes. that people have about prison overall. And, you know, we society just views them, you know, as second class citizens at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as the wife, what are some of the misconceptions that society or people may have regarding prison wives? Oh, you're just dumb, <laughs> dumb prison wives. Like, why would you do that? And um, but you know, we come from all walks, all walks of life, and I think people forget. I mean, we, if we watch the news, you have you know, okay, you got your highest of the high. We we know that right now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> they could be in prison. So guess what? They have family. Mm-hmm. No, nobody. Prison is it is what it is. You in there, you in there. You know better than anybody else. Yes. So um, and those of us that are, are waiting, I would like to uh have people to have a different perspective because think about the fact that for me, it, it was it was a God thing and it's nothing wrong with fighting for your family, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially if you're married and you say better or worse. No, mm. I thought that was worse. You know, I don't know if it can get too much more worse, but why not commend them for doing something extraordinary? That's different. You know, mm. that, that, that's a form to me of agape love. That's unconditional right there. So to me, that's sometimes you just have to look at things from a different perspective. And then you don't even know why people in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't just commit a heinous crime. You have some people that are wrongfully convicted. And then you have these harsh sentences. So like my husband was sentenced to 22 and a half years for nonviolent crime. You have oh, people wow. that commit violent and get out sooner. You have yeah. people in there now for smoking marijuana, I mean, smoke marijuana, well, for marijuana, and they yeah. sitting in there with life sentences, and some of y'all probably smoking watching me. Now. Yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's, it's so true and it's so dynamic. Everything you said there is so powerful. I felt some energy actually come all over my body when you start talking <laughs> about that agape love because it's, man, we say these vows at the altar, you know, and but you don't really pay no attention and you know right. especially the worst part what i really want to ask you you said that the lord spoke to you you said you prayed and you said mm-hmm. the lord spoke to you and revealed to you that mm-hmm. could you were just engaged you could have easily just went the other oh, yeah. direction you know mm-hmm. when he revealed to you that it was right for you to do could you let us in a little bit on what it was that the lord told you yeah i, I asked well i was in the courtroom when my husband got sentenced when they when the judge gives out the time he gave it in months hmm. so my brain wasn't you know computing that fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sitting there watching my husband and they say 270 months <sighs> but here in months that's a big number but it still wasn't clicking you know so me my parents his dad who just who, who passed while he was in prison that's another barrier oh, um you know it's like how much time? And whoever it was, somebody said that sums up many years. And we were just blown away. 
So I left there, you know, just, I don't even know how to, it's no feeling, it's no way to describe that feeling. And then, then reality kicked in. Well, me, like I said, I don't deal with the prison system, so I don't know the difference between federal and state prison. What is, you know, and yeah. I, I wasn't realizing 22 and a half is 22 and a half, right? That's day to day. We talking about federal, not state. We talking about no parole. So then when I learned that, you know, we talked, we had a conversations. Of course, he told me I could go, you know, the decision was mine. Um, Cause people asked why would he even want you to wait, whatever. And it wasn't that he just asked me, I told him what I was going to do. Yeah. He even offered for me to, you know, well, don't, I don't say waste your time, but he was like, you know, just go on and live your life is what he told me. Go on and live your life. Right. Yeah. But um, I, I, I prayed about it and um, I had gotten confirmation from other things in our life. Okay. So things started kind of lining up. So when he got to this point, I, I just knew from that prayer and conversations, like, okay, I'm seeing, I'm seeing things. And now I know it it wasn't really all about him. Mm. It was about me getting through this so that I could help other people too. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And speaking of other people, that leads me to my next question because one of my, my wife's favorite shows actually is Love Out the Lockup. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen it. <laughs> and, you, you know, <laughs> I know it's a dramatization or it's reality, but it's, you know, some of it's stage and things of that nature I've heard. But I want to ask you, being that that has been your experience and, you know, the Lord spoke to you and encouraged you to stay and gave you that confirmation, would you recommend, you know, a single woman to become a prison wife? It's two ways to look at that, because what we call, um, we call it MWI, married while incarcerated, mm. or met while incarcerated, right. shall I say, MWI, met while incarcerated. Now, we actually have women that do meet people in prison that they had no history with whatsoever and have a relationship with them. Me personally, would I recommend that? I support it. If that's what you want to do, I'm here to support you. So I'm not in that situation. So, you know, but I'm just letting you know you do have women that do that. And I'm not here to, you know judge those women because they're good people and bad people in prison and they're good people and bad people out of prison. So at the end of the day, love is a big old risk for everybody. No doubt. No but, doubt. Um, you know, and, and then for those that are like me, all I can say is just be ready for the challenge. And I can tell you to be ready, but everybody's journey is going to be Unique. If you could go back, you know, to that sentencing or mm -hmm. just around the, you know, the first year of your husband's sentence, just have a conversation with your younger self. What would you tell yourself? My goodness. That first year of his sentence. If you go back and just, you know, being that you're on the other side of it now, if you can think back to that time frame for you, uh, just talking to your younger self, what would you say to yourself? Oh my, you really came with that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, girl, do you know what you 
do you know what you have gotten yourself into? <laughs> do you know what you really got yourself into? Everybody has a different path. Um, of course, it was, it is your choice, but just always remember to seek God along the way. You don't have to stay. You can walk away at any time and just make the best of it. Make make the best of it. Um, I guess getting to the end of it now, looking back, I wish I wouldn't. We it didn't take us so long to figure out how to make it work, but you know. Um, I don't know. That was a good question. <laughs> <laughs> that one requires some more thought. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, that that word that's difficult, recidivism. Uh, <laughs> what role uh, does a spouse have to play in, in reducing that recidivism? Okay, so that's, to me, the purpose of prison marriage boot camp, to lay the foundation so that when your loved one returns, transition won't be as difficult because the challenges are going to be there. And I say reentry never ends, not to say it in a negative way, but it's something that you never forget. My husband will never forget it. His experience, I'll never forget my experience. We can be going on about our day, but something could pop in our head that can trigger, you know, where, where we were. Yeah. So um, it's important for the family to know how to accept their loved one, to be patient. Mm. You know, a, a lot of times people don't know how their loved one is impacted by prison and they don't know what they're coming home, to, who's coming home. Neither neither parties know who's coming home. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So like the purpose of this is to grow together as much as possible um, so that when your loved one comes home, it won't be as difficult, but there's still gonna be challenges. Yeah. So you still got to get to know each other again. I I learned that recently, you know, my husband will be home five years next week. Next week, I think it is. I'm still going through things now that I didn't realize impacted me hmm. in the way that we deal with each other. Well, the family don't get focused anyway. So a lot of times with criminal justice reform, it's just that my I, I like to um, let people know that we are impacted as well when we wait. Yeah. It's both sides that have to adjust to each other. And that's beautiful. And I, I really am inspired, you know, by, by what you're doing and the things you're saying there. Um, you know, I recently spoke spoke to, um, had on my podcast, uncle of mine who was, you know, career uh, drug addict and he finally was able to turn around about 10 years ago. Well, actually he just celebrated eight years. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week and just hearing like the traps that people go through. And like you mentioned earlier, well, people not go through, but the, the traps that life brings when you're mm-hmm. in that type of, you know, mind frame. But like you mentioned er- earlier, recovery is never ending. You know, you're mm-hmm. always focused on that, that recovery. And I look at that, honestly, I talk about on my channel a lot, rejection. And mm-hmm. I kind of put that in the same frame of mind that I'm always recovering from that rejection I've received in my life. So I think the more people communicate with these type of conversations, the more we realize, like, we really got a lot in common, you know, <laughs> and they'll help us to stop, you know, judging and stop condemning mm-hmm. people 
uh, for their mistakes or their issues. And, and you touched on something because I've been watching your post about rejection. I was going to ask nice. you um, too, because you're right. We don't know people's underlying stories yeah. that actually led them there. And a lot of times you're, you're right. Rejection yeah. is the root of it. 100%. It starts, it starts it anyway. hundred percent. Yeah. My mm -hmm. uncle, you know, I'm not trying to tell the story, but because he came on the channel, I believe I could share. He that's his that's was his experience. Like he received rejection early on from his mother, his father, and and rejection from women and things of that nature, and rejection from he was in sports, so rejection from coaches, and mm -hmm. that pushed him over the edge to drugs. You know, mm -hmm. for me, my drug of choice was food at one point, and it ended up being, <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, promiscuity and things of that nature. Rejection a lot of time is the root of it, but like you mentioned earlier, man. God is the center of it all. He seems to fill any void that we have, you know, but it takes right. sometimes for us to make harsh mistakes, have harsh re realizations for us to come back to that center and find out that's, that's who he is. He was, he was chasing us the whole time, you know, right. Right. Time it's difficult to see. Mm -hmm. And it's been an amazing conversation. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, tell us, you, you mentioned it here and there throughout the conversation, but if you don't mind just uh, giving us, fully what you uh what your books are about and also just tell people how they can find you and how artists can connect with you going forward oh okay this um prayers of a prison wife can be found on amazon or um store.fortalizerprisonwives.com and then that's prison marriage boot camp for him and her also um i'm for the lives of prison wives on all platforms so that information is also at the link in the bio on those platforms yeah and I'll put it here in the description section as well. Please go support. But I want to give you the last word here, Danielle, a message or advice that you would like to convey to our listeners uh, as we wrap up today's episode. Um, well, I just hope that I was able to open your eyes to a different perspective, a different view of not just prison-wise, but the families that wait on their loved one. Because you do have one out of two people that are impacted um, by and incarceration and it does impact, you know, African-Americans at a heavy rate. So again, just be mindful and not so judgmental <laughs> of those that wait on their loved ones. And um, I hate to say this, but, you know, somebody's going to end up there, prisons going to always be there. So <laughs> should you know someone? <laughs> Yes, you can send them my way. Absolutely. Danielle, thank you once again for joining. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Mm -hmm, thank you. Let's go.